somebody say, if he did it before, he'll do it again. The same God right now is the same God back then. If you believe that, somebody shout hallelujah in this place. Come on, church. Come on, we came to celebrate him. If he moves about him, you better make some noise in this place. Oh, Lordy. Oh, Lordy. I catch my breath now. I'm hyped in the mug, dog. For all of our campuses watching, my dog Nigel here, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. Everybody know Nigel. The squad is in the house. Well, hey, listen, y'all. Welcome to the student takeover. Come on, family. I want to acknowledge right now all of our student leaders and all of our students. Man, if you're at all your campuses, raise your hand. Let's make some noise for them. Make some noise. Come on, church. Come on, church. I see us all over. Come on, y'all. Yes, Lord, for that labor of love, man. We are excited for what God is doing in our student ministry here at our church, and we're so thankful that our leaders see the importance of the student ministry. So let's give it up for our leadership as well. Come on, family. Yeah, Lord. Yes, Lord. All right. Well, y'all ain't come to hear me just do some talking. Let's jump into the word. So uh, our meal today, our spiritual food, is served out of Mark chapter 12. We're going to be starting at verse 28. If you've been journeying with us, you know we're in a series called Straight Up. And I love that we're ending this series uh, with the students because I feel like that statement, Straight Up, is kind of gangster. <laughs> So I likes it. So here's what we're going to do, family. Uh, we're going to read the word. We'll pray and we'll dive right in. Amen. We're going to read the whole passage. So hang with me now, y'all. Here we are. We are in Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. The word of God reads like this. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another. And seeing that he being Jesus, answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Verse 29, and Jesus answered, the most important is Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength. Verse 31, and the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Oh, don't miss this now. Here it is. Verse 32, and the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and there is no other besides him, and to love him with all of the heart, with all the understanding, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is a much more than a whole burnt offering and sacrifices. This is the verse that I think is the straight up, where the straight up comes from. Verse 34, and Jesus saw that he, this scribe, answered wisely, said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God, my, my, my. And after that, no one dared ask him any more questions. If you're taking notes today, and I hope you are, I would love to title this message, Don't Miss It. Don't Miss It. As a matter of fact, that all of our campuses and everybody online, would y'all repeat this after me? Say, Don't, don't 
Oh, let's try one more time. Say, don't miss it. Let's pray. God, we're so thankful for your word and the clarity in your word, God. Help us to never take it lightly that we get to open up your book and understand what you have in your words. God, we ask now that you would give us a mind to receive, God, a heart to believe, and the will to do. God, I ask now that you would guide my thoughts and govern my words so that the meditations of my heart are pleasing in your sight. Lord, speak now, for your servants are listening. And all of God's people said, amen, amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, uh, this Tuesday, my wife and I are celebrating eight years of marriage. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Booyaka. Yeah, this is, my, this is my middle school boo, my boo from middle school right here. We made it. This we uh, doubled up. These are our high school senior pictures again. Look at them eyebrows. You see, boy, can't get enough of your love, baby. Uh. This is us at, uh, <laughs> at Disney where we went to Disney. My wife loves Disney. Uh, and I'm kind of the Grinch, but now since we've been married, I, I like that stuff, you know. And uh, I can't lie, though. Every time I go to Disney, I, I mean, I'm cool with the mouse. But, you know, when you walk into some of those concession stands, parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. $12 for a pretzel? He's a rat. I'm over it. Boy, a rat. <laughs> but, I, you know, so anyways, uh, <laughs> my wife and I, just about a month ago or so ago, we were up in Orlando. We met with her sisters to celebrate uh, the passing of Pops, uh, her, her Pops, uh, his birthday. And one thing about Pops, man, he lived his life to the fullest. He lived out to the max. If y'all know that one country song, I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain, that's him, you know. He lived like to the max. And so we're, there we are, we're in Orlando, and wifey and everybody, they're like, yo, we gonna go enjoy, let's go. And Ops is like, okay, well, I wanna ride this ride called the Star Flyer. Lordy, if you know anything about this, it is a swing that goes 450 feet in the sky. And then they do you in a circle like this. No, Jesus. Not for your boy. <laughs> so Aubrey and her sister are going, and Aubrey's like, eh. her sister's like. Eh. <laughs> and they get on the ride, and Aubrey's off like, man, that was awesome. And her sister was like, <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. But it got us on a conversation of like, oh, what are other things that you would do that are super daring, super crazy, that I would not do? And in the midst of this conversation, the, the topic that I was brought up that she would do was skydiving. Skydiving. Yes, look at this man in this photo. No, like, <laughs> Boy, they're like Will Smith's cousin. But I, so, so she said, I, I mean, I would go skydiving. And, and, you know, I started thinking about this. I'm like, oh, I'm good. But we started looking into it and everything. And, and, and it was crazy. It was incredible how many commandments, I mean, how many instructions there were in skydiving. Shout out to Pastor Rick. I saw that from you. <laughs> how many instructions there are for skydiving. They give you instructions on what to eat. They give you instructions on how, what you need to do the night before. There are instructions for how you get in the plane. There are instructions for how you pack up the parachute. There are instructions literally for how you even exit the plane. There are instructions on how you balance yourself out. There are instructions on what to look for when you're getting ready to land. But can I tell you, family, in the midst of all of those instructions, the one you don't want to miss... <laughs> Pull a cord. <laughs> Pull a cord. 
In the midst of all of those instructions, the one that you absolutely cannot miss is pull the cord. And that works so perfectly for our text today. Because this scribe, this rabbi, he walks up to Jesus and he goes, listen, my brother, in the midst of all of the commandments, in the midst of all of the instructions, which one can I not miss? Which one is of utmost importance? So our big idea, our take home, whatever you want to call it for today is this, is plain and simple, is don't miss it. <laughs> the greatest command that Jesus calls us to follow. Now you may be asking yourself, what is that command and how do I follow it? Well, good question. Glad you asked. <laughs> we're going to find out in our text today uh, where, where we're starting off in uh, Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28. But before I get there. I have to give us some background on what's happening. Jesus is a young rabbi, because I'm in my 30s, and I started thinking about Jesus more and more, and now he's in his 30s. You know, this is gangster. So Jesus, uh, he's a young rabbi, and his ministry has exploded in a short three years. He has tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of followers. And so the Passion Week happens, and it's Sunday, the triumphal Sunday, where they all shout Hosanna, and everyone worships him. And then on Monday, Jesus shuts down the temple. And if you've ever seen the Temple Mount, that's a big place. You've got to have a lot of people rocking with you to shut this place down. And he then begins to get into these teachings and debates about the kingdom of God. They even talk about his authority. They debate him on money. They debate him on marriage. They debate him on the resurrection. And in the midst of all these debates and in the midst of the conversations that's happening, there's a scribe in the crowd. And he's watching and he's absolutely amazed by this young man. And I don't really think that scribe was there on one hand to super critique and judge, but I think like, uh, you know, he wants to know, is this kid on the right track? <laughs> kind of makes me think about parents uh, who are showing up on Friday nights for the first time. You know how it is. Y'all get out of the car and you watch and you want to see what's going on. Who's a youth pastor? How old is he? I got a couch that's older than that, man. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and you're checking out the scene. So here's this man. He's checking out the scene and he's absolutely amazed by this young man. And this is where we pick up in our text. Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 28, it says, And one of the scribes came up. And heard them disputing. If y'all were here about a month or so ago, when Pastor Mark Crossan talked about how people heard Jesus and they responded. They heard something and they responded. They heard and they responded. That's exactly what's happening with this scribe. He hears the wisdom of this young man and responds. And it says, he heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, we all know the Ten Commandments, but I got to hook y'all up with a little two-cent college word. He's asking this based off of the Decalogue. And the Decalogue is the Ten Commandments, what we see in Deuteronomy, what we see in Numbers. And it is comprised of 613 words. And so the scribes in these days, the scribes and Pharisees, they said, we want to help the people follow the word of God. And because there's 613 words in the Decalogue, we're going to put 613 laws and commandments. So when he walks up to Jesus and he's asking him, he's asking him, out of all those 613, which one's the most important? Now, this was a very common practice. If y'all were here about two weeks or so ago, Pastor Omar talked about the great Rabbi Hillel. And Rabbi Hillel was asked this question 20 years prior, to which he then answered, oh, the greatest command of all is, what you would not want done to you, 
don't do to your neighbor. <laughs> Pretty good command. But now here this guy is, and he's talking to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Let's see his response. Look at verse 29. And Jesus answered, the most important command is this. Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. <laughs> Taking notes, very simple. Write this down as point number one. What's the greatest command that Jesus doesn't want us to miss? Love God. <laughs> love God. And keep it simple. Now, I got to break all this down and what we mean when I'm saying for you to love God and have a love for God. Because uh, you notice Jesus didn't just say, love God, love people. <laughs> he started off with the Shema. Hear, O Israel. This was a, a child's nursery rhyme. Every single practicing Jew in this day said it every morning. They said it every night. It was something so very common to all of them. For us, it would be like our modern day, John 3, 16. Y'all know, for God so loved the world that he, what did he do? Gave his one. We all know it. We all know and understand that. And that's what Jesus hits him with is something so simple. It's like a child's Nursery rhyme, these words of Shema, Israel, Adonai, Eloheinu, Adonai, Ahad. Now, this is something I asked the kids on Friday nights, the students on Friday nights, because we do this thing all the time, and I was like, should we do this? They were like, yeah! So this is the part that's totally student takeover. It's some crowd participation that is involved. Here's what's happening. So what I do with the students, I'll say something, and I may say, hey, God is good, give me one. And that's when you'll clap. So let's try it, give me one. Uh, okay, then I'll say another note. I'll say, give me two. Oh, we're with it now. Let's try it again. Give me two. Give me two. Give me two. Give me two. Hey, it sounds like a beat, don't it? It sounds like a beat. I was like, we're going to make a beat out of this one day. And today is the day. We're going to use straight up scripture, the Shema, so can't nobody be mad at me or nothing. This is straight scripture. And so here's what y'all can do. I'm going to teach y'all how to do it. And then you can go back and watch it online with your family, and then y'all can learn this Shema and do something for your own family. You'd be in the house like, hey. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to try this. Let's get this going. We're going to keep the rhythm. I'm not going to say give me two. We're just going to start clapping. So here we go. Ready? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay, here we go. Shema Israel Adonai Eloheinu Adonai Ehad. Give yourselves a hand. Yes, Lord. That's straight scripture. It's so simple, and it's so simple that a child can understand. But you notice in the Shema, the last word that we said, the Ihad, that literally means that God is one, but not just one as he's the only one, but is unique. There's none like him. In order for you to love God, let me tell you, you gotta use that old school commercial. You gotta have the right one, baby. Uh-huh. You got to love the right God. And you have to understand he's only one. I was talking with my neighbor, me and my wife, we have people over all the time and stuff like that. And so my neighbor, he's at the house, he is an agnostic atheist. God bless, I don't know what all that means. <laughs> he is, he's an agnostic atheist. And we were sitting there talking, and he's like, Al, there's like over 3,000 gods. So you mean to tell me that 2,999 of them are wrong? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's only one God. In order for you to love God, you have to understand there's only one God. And I love how it's so simple 
Even the babies know this. But then here's the next portion that I want to point out, that word Eloheinu that we said. That means he's our God, which makes it now personal. He's not just a big, strong, powerful being. Can I tell you, he's our God. That's what I love about the scriptures. If you ever notice in Genesis chapter 1, what did it say? That God walked with man in the cool of the day. Walked with him. And when man sinned and God had a, uh, and it was going to send the flood, God himself closed up Noah and his family in the ark. And after the, the floods had subsided, God was the one who sent the rainbow sign to say, I'll never do this again. Literally, if you were to put an arrow on the rainbow, it's him shooting it up to the heavens saying, cursed be me if I break my vow to you. Because he's personal. I love the song that says, God is near to those who are brokenhearted. It's personal, God. I love 2 Corinthians Chapter 1, how it says God comforts us with a comfort so that we can comfort one another because it's personal. You know the best way to show that God is a personal God is the person of Jesus. Because he was born like us. He had learned to walk like us. He talked with us. He laughed with us. He ate with us. He rests with us. And he even cries with us. I love that verse that says cast your cares on him. Because he cares for you. He's a personal God. And in order for us to love him and have a loving heart towards him, you got to understand there's only one. But because there's only one, he is personal. Oh, somebody say, don't miss it. Oh, don't miss it. He's a personal God. But then when we love him, we have to be fully devoted to him. And how are we fully devoted to him? With all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. I have to break this down. What does this mean to us in here? To love God with all of your heart. In the Hebrew culture, this meant at the core of your being, who you are, and who at, your, at the core of you. The best way to describe this would, uh, I would like to call this uh, the, the, the John Legend Greek verb. Because all of me loves all of you. Your boy can't sing, but y'all know what I'm saying. At the core of you, you need to be known as a God lover. When people meet you, do they know this person loves God? But then the second thing he says is not just to love them with your heart, but with your soul. In the Hebrew culture, this is our emotions. And I think this is why so many of us love the Psalms because, man, it fits with our emotions so well. God, I'm mad. God, I'm sad. God, I'm happy. I'm indifferent. I don't know what to think right now, God. You know, especially for my parents in here sometimes, y'all feel that Psalm where it's like, you know, or those of you got that coworker, you read those Psalms where it's like, God smite them. <laughs> you have those feelings. But we love them and we love them with our emotions. Talk to him when you're mad. Talk to him when you're sad. Talk to him when you're happy. Talk to him when you're indifferent. Love him with your emotions. And the third thing here, actually in Deuteronomy, it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And the rabbis had talked about and debated that, hey, your mind is coupled in with your strength. And I love how Jesus makes it very clear right here and says the word mind. Because let me tell you, and I don't want to, 
Parents, you're just going to bless you. You have to work this out on the car ride on the way home. Because there are ways not to love God with your mind. And we know this. This is a very simple from a, a smut magazines or pornography. And those are ways where you're not loving God with your mind. And parents, uh, sorry for that. You're going to have an interesting car ride on the way home. God bless you. But those are very obvious ways where we don't love God with our minds. But can I tell you, there's other ways, too, that are earthly, menial, trivial pursuits where we're not loving God with our minds. Can't tell you how many people I've talked to where I'm like, oh, you know, hey, I love the Lord, man. And he, what's your favorite scriptures or something? Uh, <laughs> Uh, John, uh, John 46, 18. It's <laughs> a good one. But then we start talking about sports, and this guy knows every single player down to the water boy on the Miami Dolphins from the 70s until now. Is it sinful to like the Dolphins in sports and to be praying for the heat after that loss? Lord, let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Okay. Is it sinful? No. Boy, all that time you spent learning on those stats and everything, I mean, is that loving them with your mind? And the hush falls over the crowd. It hit me too. And the third and final thing, though, he says is to love them with your strength. I want you all to give yourselves a hand because you made it to church. This is a way of loving them with your strength. We got to give a big shout out to, to Homestead and our Coral Gables downtown campus because that is a set up and tear down campus. Lordy, we're with y'all. We're with y'all. That's loving it with your strength. Parents, you're getting those kids ready, and especially, you know how it is, getting up a middle schooler in high school with all them hormones and everything going through their body so early on a Sunday morning. It's like it's the devil's witching hour sometimes. But y'all get them up and you got them here. Let me tell you, you're loving them with your strength. And the easiest, most plain and simple way of loving them with your strength is serving those around you. Amen. That's what I love about Christ Fellowship. We give you so many opportunities and ways to exercise your spiritual gifts. God did not give them to you just for you. It's for the body. And so you can serve. And so listen, what's the one command you can't miss? You've got to love God, and you have to love the right one and know that he's personal, and then you have to be fully devoted to him. Oh, somebody say, don't miss it. Don't miss it. Oh, don't miss it. Listen, leads me to my second point is, is to love people. Look down at verse 31. Jesus says the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. This may make us sit and wonder, okay, well, I understand that, but who's my neighbor? That's a great question. It's actually found in Luke chapter 10. The very same question happened when Jesus was teaching, and he actually taught this question. He said, you know, uh, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And then this Pharisee who's standing there in the crowd asked a question. And this is found in Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 29, and he says this, But he, the Pharisee, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who's my neighbor? And Jesus replies with a story. How many of y'all in here are students? How many of y'all in here got a parent, or whenever you ask a question, they don't give you a straight answer? Just a story. That was my mama. I'm like, Mom, can we go outside? Well, three kids were riding the bus. Oh, Lord. Just tell me I can't go outside, Mom. Yeah. 
But here's how Jesus says in his wise and masterful way. It says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him, beat him, and departed, leaving him half dead. We're going to meet some neighbors now. Now, by chance, a priest was going down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And so likewise, a Levite, when he came to this place, he saw him and passed by on the other side. Oh, but a Samaritan. Now, I to, you got to break this down. You know, Samaritans can't even live in these same areas of these people. There's no way this guy could be his neighbor. There's no way this guy could be his neighbor because he's half Jew. He's considered unclean, couldn't be in that whole spot. So there's no way this man is his neighbor. And what does the Samaritan do? Ooh, come on, somebody. That's my dog right there. Students, people all over. Shout out to him. <laughs> so what does he do? It says, uh, the Samaritan, he had compassion. Verse 34. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine, then set him in his own animal and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And the next day he took two denarii. And gave them to the innkeeper, and he says, listen, I will repay him. I, I will repay whatever you spend when I come back. Verse 36, here's the don't miss it. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And the scribe then says to him, or the Pharisee says to him, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus says, Go. And do likewise. Who's your neighbor? Oh, yeah. Who's your neighbor? Oh, anyone within close proximity to you that you can show compassion and mercy to. That's the person who's right next there with you. So I you notice ever back in the days, I mean, I you know, some of y'all, but in some of them old black churches, old Pentecostal churches, they used to say, turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's Lord. That's the person who's right next to you. It's the person who's in that area that you can show compassion and love to. Who's your neighbor? Oh, anyone that you can show mercy, compassion, and love to. Now, we got to be a little practical up in here because, <laughs> you know, we got the new CDC guidelines. So you got folk masks, no masks. There's some people that are like, no, you better keep that mask on and take everybody. And so that you, here's the question. How are you loving that neighbor? How are you being a neighbor to that person? Maybe there's that person that you see at, at, at work and you have them and there it is again, them CDCs. And then you're like, oh, Lord, not this person right now. I want to help us out right now and give us a new CDC guidelines. I'm going to give us the Christ divine commandments. You got to love your neighbor. You got to love your neighbor. How about this parent sometimes? Y'all know how it is. Your kids, oh, your little precious reprobates. Stop playing. Your precious children. I see it on Friday night sometimes, parents. Y'all don't even stop the car. You just get out. <laughs> How you loving that little neighbor? Oh, and for my married folk up in here, Lord Jesus. Y'all know there ain't nobody on planet Earth who can get up underneath your skin into your soul like a spouse. <laughs> How are you loving your neighbor? 
That's something to take home, something to think about for you. How are you loving your neighbor? And the best way to love your neighbor really starts with emptying self and following Christ. Uh, if you ever watch our student services, we quote this guy all the time. And so I uh, do it like this. I always say, a sermon ain't a sermon without quoting Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, my dog Charles, look at that manly beard. Uh, right. Here's what Charles Spurgeon had to say. He goes, if we empty our hearts of self, God will fill them with his love. If we empty our hearts of ourselves, God will fill us up so we can show him love. That is a gangster statement, 100% gangster. That's gangster. And so I got to remind us in here, we have to empty ourselves of self to then follow God and let him fill us up with his love. Now, before I move on to this last and final thing, I absolutely must stress this with this generation. I think Gen Z does a good job loving their neighbor. But I don't want us to miss the first command. Here's an example. There's a story found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 where Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. And he's teaching about the kingdom of God, and he gets down and he tells a very shocking story that we all have heard before. Jesus is speaking, and he says this found in Matthew 7, starting in verse 22. He goes, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And we cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name. And he says, and I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. It makes you wonder. I'm saying, if you go out somewhere and you preach the gospel, wouldn't you say you love your neighbor? If your neighbor had a demon in them. And I know some of y'all do probably feel like some of your neighbors got yeah, praise him. If your neighbor had a demon in them and God used you to cast out the demon from your neighbor, wouldn't you say you love your neighbor? If your neighbor was hungry and you fed them, if your neighbor was thirsty and you gave them something to drink, you helped out, wouldn't you say that you love your neighbor? Then why does he say depart? Oh, he forgot the first command. Oh, somebody say, don't miss it. You have to love God first. Can I tell you? When you love God, you absolutely will love like him. Because when you look at this Bible from cover to cover, it is God's love for people. That verse we just said earlier, for God so loved the world. He loves people. When you love God, you'll love like God because you are looking at the very image he created in all of us. It'll cause you to love people. Oh, somebody say, don't miss it. Don't miss it. You have to love God and you love people. So now... 
Let me finish this out in here with this scribe. I didn't do this these other services, so bless him. <laughs> Y'all about to get the real. <laughs> Listen to this as Jesus rounds this out. Because this scribe, he's a good scribe. He doesn't say the words Yahweh. He goes, oh, you said it right to love him with the heart and the soul and the mind and the strength. And then he goes, this is greater than the whole burnt offerings. But looking at verse 34, it says, and when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he goes, you're not far from the kingdoms. My friend, can I tell you, if you need to put some groceries in your house, it don't do you no good to be near the grocery store. If you were hurting and sick and you drove up and got to the hospital, it does you no good to be near the hospital. You got to enter in. Amen. Maybe there are some of you in this place across our building or watching right now. And you know some things. And you're near. But can I tell you? God has sent this young little chocolatey fellow to tell you, baby, you got to enter. Don't miss it. And it's very plain and simple. You and I were created out of love, by love, for love. Sin broke that bond. But God, being rich in love and mercy, sent his son. And the scriptures make it clear, whoever believes in him, that he did die. And that he did raise, this is important. Confess your sins and call upon his name. Oh, you will be saved. Today's your day. Enter the kingdom of God. Somebody say, don't miss it. So really quickly, how do we wrap this up? You got to go back to the basics. You got to go back to the basics. Oh, and normally in students, you see it all over their face. Oh, there's another read your Bible sermon. Yes. You have to go to the basics. There's a story about Kobe Bryant, the goat. I know, Lord Jesus. We from LA, I know Mookie. Kobe. <laughs> and uh, this guy is watching Kobe in 2006, 2007. He is, at this time, literally the greatest player in the game. And Kobe, he's, this news reporter, he's so excited, this sports reporter, he's so excited to watch Kobe. He's so excited. So Kobe's out there, he's dribbling, he's shooting, and he's like, man, before I notice, this guy's just doing the basics. All my coaches are like, yeah. He just does the basic for two hours, and he goes, I got to be honest with you, an hour and a half in, I got really bored. And at the end of the workout, I go up to Kobe and I go, Kobe, you're the best player in the game. Why are you spending so much time on the basics? And he said, why do you think I'm the greatest player in the game? Because I haven't forgotten the basics. And so that's for us in here today, Christian family. We cannot forget the basics in our walk with God. I love how Pastor Carlos brought this to us a while ago of the first 15. The first 15 where it was literally you need to have five minutes of worship, five minutes of reading God's word, and five minutes of prayer, and keep those basics in your life. You will begin to build that spiritual muscle, and before you know it, you spend 15 minutes in the word, 45 minutes in the word, 30 minutes in the word, an hour in the word, but you have to stick with the basics. There could be some of you in here right now where you have that app on your phone where it's like read through the Bible in a year. You know how that is. You're on Instagram scrolling, and then that thing comes down, bling, time to read the word. And you're like, 
Oop, push it up. <laughs> Here's what I'm encouraging us to do today, church family. Click it. Begin in that, reading the word, going through it. So family, in order for us to keep God's greatest command, we got to stick to the basics. Love God and love people. Oh, somebody say, don't miss it. Let's pray. Lord, we're thankful for your word and what you're doing in your word, God. We ask that you would be with each and every one of us now. Help us to walk out of this place changed forever, Lord. Help us to be a people who stick with the basics of reading your word and praying and talking with you and worshiping you, God. Help us to build that spiritual muscle within us. And God, as a people, as a unit, as a family, we promise we will give you all the glory, honor, and praise. Lord, help us not to miss it, but to love you with all of us. And all of God's people said, amen. Well, God bless. Love you guys.